The IBM Cloud Podcast, coming to you every show with information about new capabilities and releases. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the IBM Cloud Podcast. We, as always, are your hosts from the offerings team here at IBM Cloud. My name is Ian Lynch. And this is Steve Shokat. And today we have two guests. We have Sridhar Sudarsan and we have Devin Conley. Both of them are from IBM. Now, let me let me start and ask you guys individually what it is that you do, because I, normally I introduce the people by a title, and this time I didn't. So, Sridhar, let's start with you. What is it that you do? Hey, Steve, thanks for having me here. I am uh, the CTO for our um, Watson Partnerships team. And so as part of that, I have a responsibility for the technology strategy for the strategic partnerships we do with Watson. All righty, and Mr. Conley, what is it that you do, sir? Sure, so also on the partnerships team with IBM Watson, um, do a lot of the work around development and rapid prototyping and proof of concepts for you know various projects that we have going on. Oh, awesome, guys. So we have the brains of Watson and our partnerships and everything that's awesome around that space that goes in the room today. So, guys, I really wanted to talk to you about we made some announcements quite recently at Tink, which was a IBM conference back in Las Vegas last month. So we made some significant announcements there, Devin, right? Can you tell me a little bit about what that was about? Sure. Um, one of the biggest things that we announced last week was um, basically a new development in the partnership that IBM has with Apple. Um, and specifically what we've done is we basically tried to take you know, this extremely you know, um, business-ready device that you have in the iPhone and combine that with what we've built out with IBM Watson, which is you know, enterprise-grade AI, and really integrate the two in a way that is an ecosystem. It's not two separate offerings, and it's a way that is seamless to build solutions, to deploy them, and really to uh, manage an entire application and uh, re really fill a use case in a way that's never been done before with cognitive and AI. So tell me a little bit about what it means then for, so we have Apple's Core ML offering, right, in terms of their AI, and now Watson is coming as part of this as well. So tell me what this all actually means. Sure, so Core ML specifically is basically a framework that allows you to run AI or cognitive directly on the edge, directly on an iOS device. And that really became the anchor point for this entire effort. Um, we can take Watson services and use CoreML to run something incredibly efficiently and in a hardware optimized way directly on the edge to enable use cases that we could never touch before. And I'm sure we'll you know, dive into use cases more in a bit, but it's really opening the door to a lot of enterprise solutions that previously you know, we could never actually explore because of a lack of availability to the cloud. Yeah, no, absolutely, it makes sense. So, okay, so you're saying we can do a lot of things that we couldn't do before. We will explore some use cases, but just to give me a flavor and keep me understanding of what, keep my understanding fresh of what this is, can you give me maybe an example? What exactly do you mean? We're keeping it right on the edge and... Sure. So, um, the first Watson service that is available for CoreML and for iOS is Watson visual recognition. So you imagine before, if I had an image that I was accessing, where I just snapped on my phone, and I wanted to you know, learn some insights about that image, that meant that I had to transmit somehow that image back up to the cloud, wait for a response, and then you know, act on it 
on my phone or act on it however the application is designed. Now that entire process can happen locally without even connecting to the network, um, which is obviously extremely powerful. So, so I'm gonna, um, I know Sridhar, you think we've forgotten you, but we really haven't. Um, so two questions. One is, I don't know whether you, you know, since you're the CTO of this whole effort, um, I didn't know whether you wanted to add anything to what Devin said, as well as, you know, um, is the thought behind all of this that we're looking for Watson on the edge? I mean, that's a nice tagline, but is it something that we're going to pursue? Um, so let me start with the first question, Steve. Uh, no, I'm not feeling bad. Uh, Devin's doing a great job describing <laughs> it. So, <laughs> um, so I think uh, the, the key thing here is this is really one of the first times we're bringing the Watson services, in this case, the visual recognition service, um, on the edge, to your point, right, where we're... Um, where we're combining sort of what the ability to build custom models, enterprise-grade custom models um, on the Watson cloud using the tooling that we have, Watson Studio, which was also, by the way, another um, tool that we made available at Think a couple of weeks ago. Um, so again, allowing you to build your own custom models and then running them, running the actual inferencing on the Apple devices really makes it a powerful one-two punch, if you will, right? And then there's a second piece to that, which is the notion for you to not just run these things, these models on the device, but then really take the, um, the uh, metadata that you get by running the inferencing on the device and then further now calling richer in, uh, Watson services on the cloud to get even more rich insights. Um, so that's sort of the, the second piece. And then the third piece that we have was the ability for you to really close the loop. And to me, this is all an ecosystem of people and machines. And so now uh, through the capability of what we're making available on the tool, uh, on the device and on the tools on the cloud, I think it's really making that um, continuous learning come alive uh, by people who are in the field making changes, uh, developers and data scientists sort of collaborating to train models and then deploy those models back to devices. So that's really what makes this, to me, truly powerful and incredible. Um, and, and in terms of sort of Watson on the edge, uh, absolutely. I mean, this is certainly the first time that we're running models locally on the edge in this case on the Apple hardware, uh, and we're taking advantage of the CoreML framework. So um, hopefully it's a, it's a start to this journey. Yeah, I particularly like what you said about the continuous learning. A lot of times you'll have people who can do one thing there, but the fact that, that Watson provides the ability to learn and then to continue to learn and then continue to learn and someone comes back and says, no, that's not an Apple, that's really a, a Red Delicious, you know, kind of thing is really, I think, one of the strengths of Watson, right? Absolutely. So uh, again, I think we have the ability to. <clears throat> um, we, we've we've always, you know, through the IBM Watson Enterprise AI, the ability to learn from small data, the ability to learn and train models has always been something that you know IBM has done. Um, through the tooling that we are making available now and the ability to actually provide some of the feedback as the person is doing, as the user in this case is doing their job, is really what makes this disruptive, right? It's, it's trying to not take somebody away from doing their mainstream job 
and then spend a bunch of time, you know, teaching a system is, I think, um, is, I think, truly breakthrough, right? And, and that's, that's the key here. So, so, you know, I mean, it feels to me like I always am connected one way or another, although there's that one spot on my drive home where it drops. But um, when would someone not be connected that they would need the ability to do things without, you know, like an airplane mode? I mean, I don't imagine I'm walking up and down the airplane and doing things, but where would I need the ability to do things in airplane mode versus connected to some network? Hopefully you don't want to be walking down up, <laughs> walking up and down. Especially looking at parts. You know, looking <laughs> exactly. At while we're flying. Yeah, watch out for the for the security guards. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, but now I think uh, so. So there are actually uh, in the enterprise case, at least there are a lot of scenarios. So think about the guy who's coming out to fix. Um, you know, plumbing leaks in the basement or coming out to fix your washing machine in the basement or in a, any other appliance that you have there uh, is always low connectivity. And you see them, you know, running back and forth to their back to their truck, trying to connect and get information or make calls to people and come back and then do their job. Think about people that are fixing elevators. Think about people fixing, you know, machines that are located in remote rural areas it's it's all of those kinds of uh, scenarios where the connections can be either slow or they can be choppy or non-existent. Uh, and those are all very real scenarios based on what we are hearing from our customers. So can I ask them a question, right? So I have it locally on my device. I can understand when I'm offline. But the, the whole thing with AI is, right, it learns it's a corpus that we fill it with information. It becomes more more effective for what we need it right so how does that process work if it comes if it if it's local it's not connected to a cloud it can't continue to learn right or am i wrong sure i, I can take that one um so the continuous learning approach the the beauty of it is that you don't need it to be happening right while the technician's in the field right you have a you know we have a mechanism on the device where the technician can provide feedback that feedback's collected passively throughout the job um, and then, you know, later in the day when they are back at home or back at the office, um, they basically, you know, their, their phones can be back on Wi-Fi. That feedback will all be ingested back up into the cloud um, where okay. you, know, you have, you, exactly. And at, that, and at that point, whoever your trusted um, SME is can sit down in Watson Studio and you know, validate this feedback, kick off a new model, train that, and... Likewise, in the morning when um, that technician boots up their app for the first time and they're ready to go out for the day, that model is going to be pulled down passively. No thought to them. And suddenly they're back into the field uh, you know, doing their job with the newest, latest, and greatest model. Um, so it's really something that can happen all passively in the background whenever the network happens to be available. Mm-hmm. Okay, so for the kind of more modern-day geeks out there who are really focused on the gigabits and megabytes left in their storage capacity. If I'm using an app embedded with, let's say, some of the Watson services or CoreML from iOS, am I going to start freaking out to figure out that, oh my God, look at the amount of data that this needs to hold locally before it can actually start analyzing? No, absolutely not. Um, I mean, to, to give you a size, we're seeing models around you know, 12, 13 megabytes. This is, I'm sure some of the apps you've downloaded on your phone are 10 <laughs> yeah. times that size. So this the is really not impactful. The ones that you really need to be connected to yeah. Wi-Fi for. I'm sorry, you can't download this on cellular. 
because like that's three really gigabytes. a size. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So right, let, let's let's continue on this thought process of the Cormel Watson, right? And we have so many use cases, right? So I'm kind of glad that it's came back to you with the use cases because you were really quick to jump in, but. There's so many of them, right? So without hitting on the high ones and the really obvious ones, Devin, tell me some of the interesting and exciting ones that you expect to see over the next probably six to 18 months. Yeah, sure. Um, so we've seen a lot in, you know, imagine you know, travel, traveling abroad, um, cases where you might have a need for, uh, you know, inference offline and identifying food, local attractions, things like that. Um, where you really have no reliable network connectivity. You might be jumping from cafe to cafe, connecting to Wi-Fi, something like that. Um, you can imagine, obviously, we've touched on a lot in the repair and service space, but things like manufacturing, um, detecting failures on a assembly line, um, anything in the fulfillment space, there are really a huge number. I, I think we'd probably be more hard-pressed to find industries that this doesn't touch. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna jump over to Sridhar because I've been holding all the hard questions for Sridhar, um, and 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 there are questions I know we've had on on uh, calls and such Sridhar leading up to the announcements at Think. So uh, you can just slap me and tell me I wasn't supposed to ask those. But uh, two of the questions I want to ask you are you know do you see more services more Watson services coming to the edge, and then the second one's a little trickier. Um, you know, do you anticipate, uh, you know, going to any other types of phones? So, um, so good question, Steve. I think the, the way that I would respond is right now we've started with uh, the Watson visual recognition services uh, with Apple devices using Coromel. Um, you know, it's certainly, as I mentioned, um, something that we want to make sure that there is, uh, you know, a good use case. There's been a tremendous response in just a few days that we've had this, a uh, few days since we've made the announcement, we've got, you know, quite a few um, clients that have been jumping on the opportunity. They're trying to sort of understand how they can start using it and taking advantage of this uh based on the use cases that, you know, Devin was describing earlier. Um, so I think we'll certainly sort of uh, see what the responses are. And as we're sort of planning out our roadmap for the broader Watson platform, we'll certainly take all of that feedback into consideration and, and see where this would uh, go, both in terms of other services, other platforms that we want to support. So if, if I was an iOS developer and I was running applications today, how can I ensure that some of these are now using Watson, or is that just a given if I'm using Coromel? Uh, no, it, it's not. So if you're an iOS developer, um, when you use Coromel, so Coromel is the framework that Apple provided to run inferencing for any machine learning models in the right format on the Apple device, on the Apple hardware. Um, where and how those models can be built is really up to the developer. So what we're providing with the Watson services now is the tooling and the ability for you to custom train your own models, right? So you don't have to rely on something that is just out of the box, which we do provide a couple models out of the box, but you can really go off and train your own models that recognize, you know, packets of chips or uh, or issues in, in you know, if you're if you're into woodwork and things, you know, if you want to sort of test the grains of different kinds of woods. 
uh, would based on what you're uh, based on sort of just pointing your camera at it, iPhone camera at it. Um, or if you want to sort of train a model for training purposes, if you're running a little company and you have you know, a number of people and you want to train them, you can also do it through that. So it's really about you taking your own models and then um, through, these, through the Watson Studio that we talked about earlier, it's as simple as saying export model is CoreML and then it get, gets you the format that you can run directly into your, your iPhone, right? It's, it's within minutes you can get it started. And uh, we've got a number of code samples and uh, SDKs, an SDK that we've made available as well that you can use. Okay, great. It sounds really simple. Before I, I ask Devin the last question here, I do want to thank you guys. I really, I had an opportunity to work with both Sridhar and Devin on this announcement. And, you know, these guys are top quality and I really enjoyed working with them. So, Devin, last question for you. If I'm an iOS developer, where can I learn more? I know Sridhar talked about SDKs. He talked about uh, lots of samples and opportunities. Where can I find all this stuff? Sure. So what we'll do is we'll give you a, a link after this that we can include in the description. Um, but we, we'll basically, we have a huge number of assets that will walk you through an introduction both to CoreML and to, you know, specifically how that works with the Watson ecosystem. Um, and that, that involves a few different you know, introductions, um, quick starts, and we can even look at some demos of more complicated use cases. Uh, but the important thing to realize from the developer perspective is that this is seamless. You know, migrating the cloud-based visual recognition model um, and suddenly enabling that for offline inference and offline usage is as simple as a few changed lines of code. Um, so this is truly, you know, the frictionless and seamless integration of uh, these two companies and the two um, ecosystems that we talked about. And it's uh, it's really exciting to see you know, people start to come up with use cases and start to try this stuff out and really just start running. Wow, there we go, guys. IBM Watson services for CoreML, seamless, easy to use. Devin Shreder, thank you so much for being on the show today. Guys, for myself and Steve, thanks a mil for joining in. See you next time on the IBM Cloud Podcast.